Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I'm excited because we have one of my favorite people here with us today, Carly Stagg, my right arm woman at the Christian Health Club, LLC. She takes care of so much business for me. If you have ever done a one-on-one consultation with me, been through Feast to Fast in the Christian Health Club, she you probably know her. Um, she's a wonderful person, but I love having her on because she is a registered nurse. She is working toward her um, degree to become a nurse practitioner. She is also working to become an IFM certified practitioner, which is the Institute for Functional Medicine, okay? And she's also a nutritional therapist, like I am. And so what I love is that Carly kind of straddles this, the allopathic and holistic, you know, worlds of medicine. And so she always brings so much good perspective and value here, just really good, solid information. And so I love having her on. Um, We have done a podcast on cholesterol. That's a really good one. Uh, One on mold and one on um, functional medicine and whether or not you should seek a functional medicine doctor and what that is. So check those out if you haven't already. But today we are going to talk about um, something called heart math because in addition to all of the million things that she does. <laughs> she, she is also um, becoming a certified heart math practitioner through the Heart Math Institute. And perhaps we should do a podcast on time management, Carly, because I really need <laughs> I really need some insight to your secrets. I do not know how you have all of these jobs. Oh, and y'all, you know, she works for a clinic and she is, you know, help plant a church. She's very involved at church. I mean, she's so busy, but, um, I'm so grateful for you and I'm so glad you're here and we're going to talk about heart math today. So welcome Carly to the Christian health club podcast. Thank you so much for having me on Chelsea. I'm, I'm blushing so hard and I'm also giggling at the same time, but thank you so much for all your sweet words. And I really feel like healing and nutrition and all these things are really just my calling in life. So doing everything that I do doesn't really feel like work in any sort of way. It really just feels like fulfilling what God asked me to do here on this earth. So I'm glad that I'm able to have my hands in so many different things. That's what really lights me up and gets me excited. So thanks for having me on. Well, you're so good at it all. And um, so we'll just start out. Well, all of you people here, that listen to this. No, I don't like math, but this is not, (laughs) this is not traditional math. (laughs) So, um, thank goodness for that. So tell us, um, what is heart math and why would we be interested in it? Why would we need it? So heart math, I know the name sounds very scary. When I first heard of it, I was like, oh no, is it some sort of calculator that I have to use or something scary like that, but it is not. So heart math is a biofeedback technique, which basically just means that it's measuring the interaction between our body and an action that we're taking like breathing or focusing on our calm state or something like that. And so biofeedback is basically we're using a device to show us how our body's responding to the intervention that we're doing, whether it's breathing or Um, praying or whatever the case may be. And that in turn teaches us how to refocus our breathing and our emotional state so we can optimize our body and our brain's response to stress. And 
I think all of us could use that right now. <laughs> yes. And this is something that's really important because it allows us to actually intervene in stressful situations and really just recognize that we have a lot of power to take charge of how our body responds rather than simply being in this react reaction mode where we're freaking out, our body kind of gets ahead of us, and then our before we know it, our body's in this completely stressed out state and we're too far gone to really have help. So this is the whole principle behind heart math is kind of taking a few steps back, learning how our body works and how we can influence how it works with a few simple actions. So the actual technique is really simple and it only requires a phone or computer app. And then it's an ear clip that is almost like an earring. And it's just a little like clip that goes on your ear and it plugs into a computer or a phone it guides you through a almost like a meditation where you're breathing in, breathing out, and focusing on positive emotions. And it only takes about two to three minutes to go through per cycle. And just those two to three minutes can completely rebalance your emotional and physical state of well-being. So it's pretty amazing stuff, and I'm super honored to teach people about it every day at work. Is it, do you get some kind of, you get a readout or something when you're done? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So this, so I've heard about heart math for years because all of the biohackers um, have been using it for some time. And so I think that, um, you know, and that always interests me. And usually what the biohackers are using is what starts becoming more and more mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm just so pleased that you can introduce this to us today. Um, and, you know, give this as an option for people. I think it's very cool. How does it work? That is always the question. We're <laughs> like, okay, so how is me breathing differently going to do anything <laughs> for my body? Especially because sometimes people, I think normally people that have more of maybe mood disorders or anxiety may be able to see the value of this more easily. Whereas somebody that maybe just has like some gut issues or they're having a hard time losing weight or healing, they may not necessarily necessarily understand fully how this can actually help them. So I'll explain how it works from the top down. So, you know, we've been taught in school that our heart is responding to what I'll say are quote unquote orders, which are sent by the brain. So the brain's telling the heart, okay, pump blood, blah, blah, blah make the pulse this so we can keep our blood flow up. But it is not as commonly known that the heart actually sends signals back to the brain also. And there are actually more signals sent from the heart back to the brain, which blew my mind when I first learned that because I feel like I didn't even know that that happened before. <laughs> oh, I, yes, and I don't think I it did either. Yes, because we just learned that our brain controls everything and nothing we really do can override the brain, but really the heart actually responds back to the brain. Um, And those heart signals will tell our brain how to function. So it not only affects our emotional processing, but also making sure that we can have good attention. We're perceiving things correctly. We have good memory and problem solving skills, critical thinking. Um, The brain is continuously responding to the heart in addition to the heart responding to the brain. So When you think about it, it's not just about reducing the stress response or when we talk about having too high of cortisol, it really has a ripple effect on nearly every single health condition because a lot of our health conditions are mediated through our brain. So our brain is kind of the middleman, which can either make symptoms seem worse or make symptoms seem better and by, or making them actually physically worse. So That is the principle behind it is that it's two-way communication and we're kind of helping the heart to send better signals to the brain so that the brain can kind of take a chill pill and help us to heal our bodies. I like it. Is that kind of like a negative feedback loop or is that different? Negative feedback loops and positive feedback loops are very confusing. (laughs) Okay, just forget. Forget I said it. Forget it. (laughs) And and it's it's just so funny because... Because every time I think about negative and positive feedback feedback loops, I feel like I, we get more confused. Okay, just <laughs> so move we'll just, on. So we'll move just on. leave it as we'll leave it as the heart responds to the brain, and then we, well, the heart responds to the brain, and the brain responds back to the heart. Okay, that's that's simple, and simple is good. Okay, yes. Good I'll, deal. I'll I'll avoid going into the weeds too far. Everyone, you're welcome. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> because you could really go very far into the weeds. Um, yes. So we'll, we'll keep we'll keep it very understandable for everyone. So also, so HeartMath, the the name and the company. So it's called the HeartMath Institute. It's actually a nonprofit, and they have done a ton of research on this technology and the method that they use to get people's heart back into a more regular rhythm that will positively affect the brain. So what they did is they did some research to think about different patterns of heart activity. So our heart will behave differently, you know, our pulse, the, you know, the way that our heart beats. So whether it's variable, whether it's just more consistent and staying up, staying down, whether it's moving around, that depends on different emotional states. So for example, when we're stressed out and we're overwhelmed, ton of negative emotions, our heart rhythm pattern gets kind of erratic and disorderly. And so as a result, your brain will get a little disordered and not allow you to perform higher cognitive functions like thinking really clearly, reasoning, making effective decisions. So if you've ever made a bad decision under stress, you are aware of this concept. <laughs> That's um, never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> speaking from experience here. I know. And that, what? Never happened to me. Um <laughs> But yes, that's the reason why we may act impulsively and we just make these rash decisions that really, when we look back at it, we're like, why would I do that? It does not even rational. It's because your heart pattern, so your pulse, your heart rate variability was very erratic. And so then the signals getting sent to the brain, we're throwing it off and then your brain can't do what it needs to do. So you know, it also has a profound effect on the brain's emotional response to stress. So it can actually compound the emotional experience. So basically the heart gets, or the heart is sending these signals that are erratic and disordered to the brain. And the brain's like, oh my gosh, more of the same stuff. Let's make more, let's get more confused. Let's get more overwhelmed. And it's a very bad feedback loop there. So let's talk about the happy side. (laughs) so in contrast you know the more ordered and stable pattern of the heart so when we're in a state where we're really calm like think about how you feel when you just finished up a yoga class and the kids are with somebody else you know with the family member and you are just so chill you're sitting in your car about to drive home from yoga so your heart has a very ordered and stable pattern to its pulse at that point because you're very calm, you have nothing else kind of competing for your attention. So when that sends signals to your brain, so when you get those good positive signals to your brain, you actually can think better, more clearly, you can have more positive feelings, you're more emotionally stable. And, you know, by learning to generate increased coherence is what we call this, when your heart is kind of in sync and stable, and sustaining positive emotions, it benefits your entire body. So it not only benefits your emotional state, but also your physical state, how you feel, how you perform, all those things. Oh, that's very cool. But why do they call it math? Do you have to do math? <laughs> <laughs> no math required. Again, that was the first thing that scared me off. I was like, oh, no. Um, but it is actually based on the science of what's called heart rate variability. So If you think about how you were taught about the heart, we once thought it was like, okay, well, if your heart is beating at 65 beats per minute, that means it's just beating like one, two, three, four, like that, like very, very steadily, a very regular rhythm. But now we know that actually a healthy heart, even at rest, will be surprisingly irregular in its rhythm. So we'll maybe have one, two, three four, five, six, seven. And so the time interval between the consecutive heartbeats actually constantly changes. And that's a good thing because we don't want our body to always be at the same level of alertness. So think about when you're laying on the couch on a Saturday and you have nothing to do. Maybe you're watching a movie, your heart rate variability should be pretty high because it should it should be able to adapt. So by by maybe when you get up from watching your movie, you want to go run outside. You should be able to jump up in your heart rate variability so you can adapt to that situation. 
You don't just want your heart rate to be ticking along at the exact same level all the time because the demands on our bodies change. Do you know what this reminds me of? This is so cool. So, you know, when I just did the um, podcast about, you know, busting through metabolic plateaus and when we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about the metabolism, we're talking about so many things about our body and how, you, you know, consistency is good and, you know, having that consistency and steadiness, but it's really that, that change up, that variability um, that makes us adaptable, like you said, and just, and makes us, um, just more flexible all over, maybe flexible in our, you know, in our abilities, whether we're thinking or moving or whatever it is, and just keeps the body on its toes and ready to act. And so this is so interesting because it's kind of that same concept. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very, very similar because we can't just, we don't live in a vacuum where things are, we're going to have groundhog day and we're going to have every day be the same. And we're going to need to do this at this time because, you know, our bodies are made for adaptation and change. And so just just knowing that our heart rate variability should be pretty high because our heart should be able to adapt to those changes is really important. Um, so that, you know, that beat to beat variation where the time between consecutive beats in the heart rate, that's what is called heart rate variability. And that's the science that heart math is based on is measuring heart rate variability and then showing you how to modify things you're doing to improve that level. Okay, that makes sense. And then I'll explain how that actually works. So if you think back to nervous system, if you think back to science class, so we have this nervous part of our nervous system called the autonomic nervous system, which I'll abbreviate as ANS because I don't want to, you know, give myself a sore throat saying all those words. <laughs> <laughs> so autonomic nervous system is what I liken to an automatic, all these automatic processes. Like think about you're digesting, you're not thinking about, oh my gosh, I need to digest this food. It just happens. Same thing with like, I need to move my leg. Like you're not, <laughs> you're not thinking, you're not necessarily, so yeah, if, you, if you're moving your leg, if you need to move your leg, your body is actually, your brain's actually telling your leg to move, whereas your digestion is just happening. Like it's auto, it's on autopilot basically. So this autonomic nervous system regulates most of the body's internal functions. So that includes the heart rate and the brain and digestion. So the sympathetic nerves, so the sympathetic side of the nervous system, there's two different branches to it. Sympathetic side will actually accelerate our heart rate, lower our heart rate variability, and then the parasympathetic nerves will slow it down. So those two branches are continually interacting. So they're going back and forth to help maintain cardiovascular activity in the optimal range and also to kind of help regulate what's an appropriate reaction right now if this is happening or this is happening. I need to go running so my heart rate needs to go up. So yes, heart rate variability is based on the interaction between those two different systems. So the parasympathetic side of the ANS and the sympathetic side. So we what we want is we want balance between those two sides. We don't want sympathetic to always be on and we don't want parasympathetic to always be on. So I believe I've talked about this before on the podcast, but Sympathetic is like fight or flight, tiger's running after me, I need to just run. And so your body is going to respond that way. It's going to raise heart rate. It's going to basically just fuel you up. It's going to release glucose so you can run away. Whereas parasympathetic, you're just chilling out. You're going to digest your food. You're not in a hurry. You're just very slow. So we need a balance between those two. We can't be either one all the time. And then Finally, I do want to mention that maybe when you get your pulse taken at the doctor, you're like, how do they know if, you know, do they know if my pulse is, is fluctuating? And they actually generally can't because if you're taking someone's pulse over a certain period of time, you're just counting the number. You're not necessarily counting the interval between. That would be really difficult. So, and including like blood pressure cuffs and all that stuff. They're just counting the number of times the heart beats. They're not counting the interval between. So those moment-to-moment variations in heart rate are actually generally pretty much overlooked when your average heart rate is measured in your pulse. So heart math is different because it uses the pulse data from an ear clip, like where an earring would sit, and that provides you a full picture of the HRV. So it just plots up and down, like between this, this heartbeat and this heartbeat, it was one second. Between this one, it was two seconds. And the great thing about it is it doesn't just give you the data, it actually explains 
why and tells you what to do. So it's not going to overwhelm you with a bunch of numbers you don't understand. It actually tells you, breathe more, breathe this way, you know, focus on your emotional state, try to be calm, that type of thing. Very cool. And like you were saying, Tulsi, biohackers are really into this, which to me is always a good sign. I'm always trying to be on the cutting edge. And when I see people doing something that people maybe deem controversial, I'm like, that's where I want to be. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> learning, learning about that. So, you know, this is something that was initially probably on the fringes. And this actually has a huge body of scientific research behind it now. So, you know, scientists, physicians, lots of different people, including Ben Greenfield, who is one of my personal heroes, Me consider too. HRV to be an important indicator of health and fitness. So it's just reflecting our ability to adapt effectively to stress, environmental demands. Um, so the HeartMath website gives a really good example of this. So, you know, when you're playing tennis, you can't just sit there and not move and then the tennis ball's coming at you and you don't move. You want to be, you need to be able to change your stance and move around so you can actually be able to serve properly or receive a serve so you can adapt to your circumstances. So that's how we want to be. We want to be able to shift our stance when we're, pl- when we're playing tennis, the tennis game of our life. <laughs> <laughs> so we can always be adaptable and ready for anything. Fantastic. Will it make me better at tennis? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish. I'm still horrible at tennis. <laughs> I'm not great at it, but I sure like it's, it's to sure try. It sure is fun. It's fun. Fun to get out and hit the ball around. Absolutely. Um, that's cool. Okay. So, um, okay. What affects our heart rate variability negatively or positively? I mean, what would swing it one way or the other? So again, when we're saying HRV, we want our HRV to be high. So again, we want our, we want to be able to shift our stance a lot. So the higher our HRV is, the more we're shifting our tennis stance. So when we say it's a negative effect, that means that it's lowering our HRV. So things that lower HRV are things like emotional stress. So anger, frustration, anxiety, um, even just overwhelm. So I was telling Chelsea this earlier, if I ever have a patient in my office and I'm doing this with them, I show them a baseline HRV with just me talking to them and the ear clip on their ear. And usually their HRV goes down while I'm talking because they're trying to absorb new information, maybe a little overwhelmed. So that type of thing will lower our HRV. And what a lower HRV means is just, it just shows us that our autonomic nervous system is out of balance. So it's basically like having one foot on the gas pedal, which is our sympathetic branch of the nervous system. And then one foot on the brakes, which is the parasympathetic branch. And I don't know if anybody experienced this when they were 16. Cannot push those <laughs> both at once because it's not not pretty. Um, you're going to have a pretty bumpy ride. Um, I think I learned that the first day in the driveway. I was like, oh, that's not going to work today. <laughs> so it's not going to work ever. So we want, to, we want them to work in concert with one another. We want to be able to push the gas, push the brakes, go back and forth. But we can't push them both at the same time. So for when... We're in those angry, frustrated, anxious states. We're basically pushing both at once. And so it ends up being not a happy experience for your heart or your brain. And then in terms of the positive side, things that actually impact it positively are, you know, positive emotions. So if you have appreciation, joy, care, love, and it's not only just having those things in your life, it's actually taking the time to experience them. So for example, when I'm doing this with patients, I'll say, okay, so put your hand over your heart and think about, you know, a loved one or your dog and just think about how much you care about them and love them. And that generally will trigger that positive emotion to be actually experienced. And what that will do is balance out the autonomic nervous system. So we'll have a little bit more brake activity than you know, gas pedal activity. So more parasympathetic than, than sympathetic. And that helps just to balance everything out, slow us down a little bit. We can still use our gas pedal if we need it, but we're not just slamming on it and then breaking really hard. I would think people need to apply the brakes a lot more than need to apply the gas. Is that correct? (laughs) That is very, very true. I think, I think it's also a societal perception that everything's urgent 
you know, everything is so like high alert and last minute and all these things. And you know, when I went through nursing school, of course, it was just like that. Everything's an emergency. But in actuality, a lot of things are not an emergency. If you're not in healthcare, work can wait. You know, things can wait. We all need to learn to breathe and put things into perspective for sure. And I think that's societal, you know, societal in general, because I know some people have jobs where they're expected to be on call and answering emails all into the night. And again, that's just pushing, pushing on the gas, pushing on the gas. And unfortunately, a lot of us, we're so run down that we don't actually have. So our adrenals are the glands that make cortisol and cortisol is what is allowed is what actually is when is what's being activated when the gas pedal is being pushed. So at a certain point, you kind of run out of cortisol and your body's like, you know, basically shrug emoji. They it does not know what to do. <laughs> shrug emoji. <laughs> like, ah, what is this girl trying to do? She needs to she needs to take a chill pill. And so it's really important to, to learn about this and understand it and understand how your body interacts with it before you get to that point where, you know, you're pushing the gas pedal and, the, you know, there's no gas in the tank. There's nothing there. Right. And, you know, we've talked about here before on the podcast how how important it is to be in a parasympathetic state in order to be able to digest and break down that food. And just so, I mean, you could be eating like the most beautiful, perfect quote unquote, perfect diet. But if you, if you're not in that parasympathetic mode where you can actually break down your food well, so it can get to all your cells and get to everywhere it needs to go, it's, it's not going to, you know, the engine is messed up or your, your brake and your gas pedal are all messed up. And so it's, it's really so important to, um, to know all of this stuff and be able to, um, understand how and when you need to, to apply the brakes and, and, you know, let off the gas. And that's why I think this is really cool. Um, well, my question is, well, then how, how would this be different? How is heart math different from just like, um, you know, doing deep breathing or meditation or something like that? What makes it different from doing that? That's a really good question. And I actually get that a lot because I think, well, personally, in my experience, when I tried to do meditation, it was an epic fail. So I'm like sitting there and I'm like, da, 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 thinking to myself, like, when do I, when do my thoughts just magically disappear <laughs> and <laughs> I become a Zen master? It didn't happen. I was like false advertising. This is not, <laughs> this is not for me. <laughs> so, you know, the goal here is, you know, what I love about it is just the simplicity and it's not trying to tell you to stop thinking. And I can't, I'm not, I can't say all meditation is like that. That just happens to be the style that I tried. There are definitely different styles. Um, and of course, this is not, this is a compliment to my existing like prayer and devotional time. This is totally separate for me. Um, the way this is different is that it just combines a focus on simple paced breathing. So paced breathing is just counting when you're breathing. So for example, just five seconds in, five seconds out. And I, I jokingly say, you know, you don't need an engineering degree to figure out the right way to breathe. You just need to slow down. And yeah. then, yeah, seriously, you know, it's like, I don't want to be like four, seven, eight or box <laughs> breathing or so there's just oh my gosh, so many complicated things. So many things out there. Out there. But, you and know, they it work did, for some people. They really right, do. They do. And it's just not for me. <laughs> and generally speaking, I remember, you know, Elisa Keaton saying this and in, in the, um, the founder of um, Revelation Wellness. And I've heard other people say this as well, you know, but those those short, shallow breaths are the um, the breaths of stress you know, the breaths mm -hmm. of anxiousness and worry. And it's the, it's the deeper, more relaxed breaths that are, you know, the, um, it's the break breaths, you know, the parasympathetic Absolutely. state breaths. And Absolutely. so just, um, yeah, just kind of being aware of that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I think, you know, even just counting when you're breathing already encourages you to make it deeper without having to focus so much on like, filling up your entire diaphragm, which is the space right below your ribs. Like, oh my gosh, I need to fill my entire belly with air and then move it. Like, I just try to take all the thoughts out of it because the more you're thinking about it, the more you're actually inhibiting yourself from getting into this really Zen state. If you're focusing so hard on trying to breathe right, that it'll just, it'll throw you off in the other ways. So in addition to just the really simple breathing, five seconds in, five seconds out, then it's combined with an emotional shift to a positive emotion. So what I was talking about earlier. 
So gratitude, appreciation. So I tell my patients, you know, think of your family like a pet, um, your relationship with the Lord, anything that really just makes you feel that way and allow that really heartfelt, positive, emotional state to really work on your heart and transform the way it is beating. So I tell people, you know, lay your hand over your heart as you do this. And it sounds so cheesy and it's probably just because I'm such a feely person. But I say you have to make your heart glow with positive emotion. Like try to make it come out of your heart. So you really just feel it glow and like take over your whole body. And it's to me, it's just it's sad that we've gotten away from that as a society. But you feel like as soon as you do it, you feel this relief of like, oh, my gosh, this is what I should be feeling because I have all this love and appreciation and care for the people in my life. I just don't take time to experience it. Mm, that's so smart. Yeah, because it's a different thing to think of to think of it and to kind of experience it and feel it. Absolutely. And I can make I can write a gratitude list all day, but I'm not actually feeling it when I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm or thinking it. Yes, that is that is so well, I feel that's like very profound. <laughs> it's wow, just, you know, you. it it is one thing <laughs> just to like you can list it out, but then to really yeah, feel that emotion, which is the the, the important piece of it because it's like that in the feeling of it is when you, um, when you like release the oxytocin and you really, you know, all the feel good yep. chemicals and stuff. And so if you're, yeah. if you're just thinking it and kind of skipping over without just kind of sitting with it and letting your heart glow and just, you know, feeling yeah. that inside, then um, you're not getting the full effect of doing that. That is really yeah. cool. Absolutely. And I think, I think also in quarantine, I'm guilty of this. I'm like, I'm guilty for my house, like, or I'm I'm happy about my house, or I'm you know appreciative of X, or, and it's really not. <laughs> it's I guess I'm thankful for this, you know, but it really really is different. I also just take time, like I will alternate through different people, so I'll be like, today I'm gonna think about the dog, tomorrow think about my mom, or whatever the case may be, and it's so so nice. Um, so yeah, I. I think that's really important. And again, like I said, once the emotional component of this is activated, there's no longer a need to or really a desire to fixate on the exact like right quote unquote breathing technique. So we don't need to exert all this mental effort trying to be right. We just need to feel. Um, so the also the amazing thing about heart math is you have the benefit of that technology to show you your progress. So when, you ha- when you're doing heart math, it's actually quite intuitive. So you, maybe you're plugged in to your phone or your computer. It's clipped to your ear and it begins a session on the app. You start doing the above steps where you're, you know, you're doing the five seconds in, five seconds out breathing, and then you're activating that emotion. And then you're just breathing in time with the timer on the screen, which basically is a circle that goes in and out. So it's very, very simple. And then it'll give you small prompts to refocus your breathing. So let's say at the beginning, you're doing really, really well. And then all of a sudden your brain starts going to, oh my gosh, there's laundry in the washer. I need to move it. Um, I need to make, I need to decide what to make for dinner. All these things start to distract you. It'll actually tell you, uh-oh, you're, you're out of coherence. Um, oh. Start refocus on your breathing. Busted. Yep, it calls you out. <laughs> Called out. <laughs> but I love it because there's different zones too. It's not like you're in or you're out. You'll be in like green, yellow, or red. And it'll be like, okay, you're in green. Now you're, you're, t- you're going towards yellow. Make sure you fix it before you get to yellow. Because again, like anything, it's easier to stay in it than it is to like completely jump out and then have to be like, okay, now refocus and do all these things. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I'd love it because I have to think almost zero about it. I just plug, plug my, um, sensor into my phone and I put it on my ear and then I just let it go and I do my best to make myself into co- or put myself into coherence as much as possible um but then I just respond if I get out of it and it's not a big deal okay so you plug it in you put this thing on your ear but you don't you're not it's not talking to you it's not like breathe is it is it like is it talking to you <laughs> no. or you're just watching the screen and you're practicing the breathing on your own Like it's giving you prompts, but it's not talking to you. Yeah. It gives you these little like, not like dings, but it just kind of a little, a little text bubble float up and like refocus on your breathing. I think there is a way you can actually make it a voice, but I never like that because I listen to worship songs while I do it. So I'm listening to a worship song and then, because that helps me get in the zone and then I'm just looking at the screen 
and it'll tell me like refocus or whatever the case may be, but nothing out loud on, at least on the settings that I have. This is like, this is so smart because this is like for the person, well, it's for everybody, but especially for the person, like you said, cause I'm the same way with like trying to do true meditation where I'm like, okay, emptying, you know, just trying to like not think, or just if you're just trying to relax and it's hard to stop that stuff in your head. So like you said, this kind of calls you out like, uh Oh, uh Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, refocus, bring it back. And so you're like, it's just that little, that little help, you know, right there, which is, I think absolutely. That's and then, you know, if it's working like to me, I don't like it when I can't measure something. So for me, it started to get easier and easier. So you can actually, it's, it's kind of cool because they have a community on it where if you want, you can have your data shared of how long you've, how long you can stay in heart math. So there's people that do it for hours a day, I'm sure, because they have a lot of points and I have no idea how they did that. But you know, you can increase the difficulty level also. So I started with yeah. beginner. You can go to intermediate. You can go to advanced. And then from there, you can kind of set goals for yourself within the app. Um, you can look at yourself on the leaderboard. You can even say, like, how was I last week? And am I better this week? You know, what's changed since then? And it really inspires a lot of self-reflection, too, which is really cool. And you aren't just like, I guess I meditated 10, day, 10 minutes a day this week. You know, I don't know if it worked, but... I guess I did it. <laughs> yeah. So this actually gives you the biofeedback, which is what, you know, that's what it is. Um, that's cool. Okay. So you, you mentioned, you said something earlier about, you know, being in coherence. So that's kind of like, that's what you've said a couple of times. What's the difference between being, you know, in coherence versus being in relaxation? Like what is, what's the difference there? So I think, I think that's a really important distinction to make. So relaxation is technically defined as a low energy state where your body and your mind are kind of disengaged. So you're not really doing any work with your brain. You're not really doing any work with your body. You're just kind of like laying there, just chilling. And everything lowers, including heart rate, including HRV, which as we know, we actually want our HRV to be high. So it's not like relaxation is bad. Of course, we need to relax. But coherence actually promotes cognitive and emotional processing. So it's like you're calm, you're balanced, but you also have energy. It's not like you're calm, balanced, and about to fall asleep. Um, and you're responsive to your environment. So you can actually do your everyday tasks, but in a better way and in a way that is more responsive and promotes better problem solving and decision making. So when you're in coherence, your HRV is likely a little bit higher than your baseline and your pulse might be pretty constant, but the waveform, which you'll see on the app, so the waveform is what the readout looks like. It's like an up and down, like, you know, math kind of wave. It'll actually smooth out so you can see that you've actually reached coherence because you're calm, balanced, and that waveform is really smooth. Okay, so that's the goal, coherence. Yes, because I don't think there's really much use in being, you know, calm and you know, not doing and not being able to do anything. <laughs> like if you're, if you're calm and not able to do your, not able to do, you know, your everyday tasks, you know, as soon as you go back to doing everyday tasks, you're right back to being stressed. You know, you really haven't accomplished much. So you have to strike the balance between, I need to be able to be productive, but also maintain my sanity and my health at the same time. Yeah. Be calm about it. Yeah, exactly. You can't just go straight to like, you can't go, can't go straight from like yoga nidra or sleeping to being panicked all the time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So if somebody wanted to do this, how, first of all, okay, how do they go about it? You know, I guess you get the app and, but then how do you add it to your routine? Do you, you mentioned that you see patients and help them with it. I mean, do you need to seek out a practitioner? I mean, what, tell me kind of all of that logistics well, of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's really up to each person. So some people choose to meet with a practitioner just because they want that additional guidance. So like I was saying earlier, when I meet with patients, I'm showing them a before, like, okay, here's, here was your heart rate variability and your pulse waveform when you were just talking to me and you weren't focusing on anything. You were maybe a little overwhelmed because you just had a doctor's appointment. It's been a long day, whatever the case may be. And then I show them, I teach them how to intervene and then show them the after, so the result. So some people kind of need that buy-in to say, wow, it really did change before they actually want to purchase some of the equipment. 
Um, that said, the equipment is really affordable, so I don't see any harm in going ahead and purchasing it and seeing if it's right for you. So you can actually buy any of the you know equipment. So there's one for the computer, which is called the M-Wave, and there's also one for iPhone or really any phone that is called the Inner Balance Sensor, and both will plug into computer or phone and allow you to start sessions and actually run heart math sessions on your own, which is really cool. And the app, when you open it, it'll give you a tutorial of how to use it. So ultimately up to you if you're kind of a, a do-it-yourselfer, you can feel more than welcome to go ahead and do it on your own. Some people just like a little bit of additional coaching on how to tweak it or to be able to see the before and after before they make that investment. Do you order it from HeartMath, the website? Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. It's heartmath.org. And it's spelled just like it sounds. Um, and it's relatively inexpensive. I believe the phone sensor is like $99. Um, and the computer program is maybe $200. So, it, and I've had mine, I want to say, for six years. Are you serious? Fir- yeah, my first sensor. I've had it for six years. Oh, I had no idea you had been doing it that long. Yes, six years of use and it's still going. So I don't know how that's possible. You're so but, on the cutting edge. Well, actually, yeah. I The doctor that I went to see that I actually work for now, she introduced me to it six years ago. And at that point, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a mumbo jumbo. But I bought the sensor and then started using it. And I ended up seeing, wow, this is pretty amazing stuff. So like how often do you do it? How often do you do it? And how often would somebody need to do it to, you know, see benefits. So yeah, I personally carry, so I actually have several sensors now since I'm going through the program, they send you extra ones. So I have one that's in my purse with me and I try to fit in any, a session if I arrive anywhere early. I think one of the best things about it is that it, you know, you only have to do two to three minutes. Like that, that little of a time frame can actually show benefits. So I try to do two to three minutes up to three to four times a day. That provides the best effect. Some people choose to do, you know, one long session every day, but I think it's better to do it multiple times throughout the day, even if they're shorter, because again, you know, the more you practice, the more your muscle memory will actually develop. So you will default to a better state of being, a more coherent state of being, more calm, more relaxed, instead of default being in stress mode, which I think a lot of us are guilty of. As soon as something happens, our body starts to react like, oh gosh, run from a tiger, run from a tiger. And by practicing this several times a day, you're teaching your body, okay, even if it seems like a tiger is going to come, we really don't have to panic because it's not actually a tiger. It's a little puppy. That's kind of how our, how our bodies respond. It's just a cat. Not a big deal. (laughs) No big deal. So do you, are you doing this preferably during times of stress or are you just kind of just snatching time throughout the day when you can. It really depends. So yeah, I would say I, I just more just snatch time during the day when I can because I'm one of those people that I tend to run in a stressed, a stressed <laughs> like state of mind um, because I have a pretty busy life. And so I like to just fit it in where I can. Some people like to do more of it in times of stress. Like now would be a great time because a lot of us are at home more. Um, to really kind of dig into heart math and see what, what effects you can get from it. But yeah, I think it really is up to the person, depends on depends on you. The best thing about it to me is that sometimes when I used to do meditation or breathing techniques, it would make me super sleepy. Or if I'd go to a yoga class like early in the day, I like would not be able to function the rest of the day because I would be so tired. But this never makes me tired. It just makes me like calm and focused, if that makes sense. Yes, makes sense. Um, okay. What about kids? Would this be good for kids or could you, yes. I mean, could you use it on yes. kids? It's Absolutely. You can absolutely be used on kids. The one caveat is that sometimes kids are, are so active and of course their heart health is usually so good. Sometimes you can't pick up a pulse in their ear because the surface area is kind of small. And so it doesn't necessarily get the pulse right off the bat. So sometimes you have to do like jumping jacks with them or something before. So it'll kind of bring the blood flow up to their ears, kind of rub their ear a little bit and then attach the clip. But yes, kids do really, really well with it. Um, I know that the M-Wave, which is the computer program, actually has games that kids can do on it. So for example, there's one game where it's like a black and white garden 
And then as you're in coherence, you know, you do it with your eyes closed. As you're in coherence, it turns the garden colored. So you can see as soon as you open your eyes, you see all these colors. I think at some point when you reach a certain level, it shows you a unicorn. Like it shows you this beautiful picture when you open your eyes back up. And so there's lots of fun games on that computer app for kids to do. And that can help promote really positive stress response for them. You know, not only now with school and, you know, coronavirus and all the stresses that they deal with, but also going forward, just, you know, again, their body developing that muscle memory. So they're not living in default stress mode like so many adults are. So they'll be learning a lot earlier than most people do, which is awesome. Yeah. Giving them that tool to recognize how to bring themselves back into a more parasympathetic state or into that coherence and just recognizing that and recognizing that they have the ability to, to do that. I think that's really, Absolutely. really, Absolutely. Um, I could see how that would be so beneficial for kids. Very neat. Well, um, let's see. I can't think of anything else specifically. Is there anything else that you want to say about it that we didn't cover? We covered a lot of good stuff. I know. I think that's pretty much it. And I just want to say that, you know, of all of the meditation and yoga and everything I've tried, I found this to be the most effective just because, you know, A, you get that positive reinforcement with the amazing, you know, technology that it gives you but also just making kind of simple and idiot proof. Like I need idiot proof to make things work for my life. So the fact that it's very, very simple gives positive reinforcement. You know, I found a ton of success both personally and clinically with patients and clients that I've had. So if you're interested at all, I would highly suggest you look at the website. There's tons of research, tons of information about it that can kind of help explain the science behind it. There's some really cool papers on it if you want to get deep into the weeds on it. But yeah, absolutely suggest that you check it out if you're interested. And you can always email me if you have questions. Um, do you – so so if you purchase the, the equipment or whatever you need, like can everybody in your house – I mean, it, can you all be on the same kind of app or do you have to set up different things for different people? Like if I wanted to do it and I wanted to do my kids to do it, I mean, how would that work? Do yeah, you know? so you can actually – so from what I can tell, from what I've done with, with, with family – family members I've done with the phone app the phone app on your phone can only be used for one person but the sensor can be used for multiple people so let's say that you have like one iPhone sensor but you have three iPhones you could you you could have an app on each one of the iPhones and use it for each different person so you could cover three people that way but for most people with families I usually suggest the M-Wave because you can create different accounts that's the computer-based version okay Got it. And that's good to know. And again, that's the one that has the games and it's kind of, it's more interactive for kids. Some kids don't like staring at a circle going in and out um, <laughs> as they're, <laughs> for some odd reason, um, as they're, as they're breathing pacer. But yeah, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. That's what I usually do with people. As I say, M-Wave for families. And if you're just a, a, a solo heart mather, you can do the iPhone app. Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Okay, cool. Well, um, before we go, I know I've asked you this before, but I still want to um, ask you the anchor questions because I think that the our food, our anchor meals, and our scripture, our anchor scripture can you know change at different stages. So, what is your anchor meal right now? What's your kind of go to favorite healthy meal? So right now, what I'm doing, you know, since coronavirus, I'm trying to trying to experiment a little more with food. So what I'm doing lately is I'm doing like a grass-fed beef burger that's, of course, no bun because um, the bun is not worth it to me. Chelsea and I bond over this. I'm like, uh-uh. Not, not a heck it. yeah. <laughs> sweet, sweet potato fries, yes. Right. Bun, no. Um, but then I have it with – so I've been making Brussels sprouts with bacon and then I put – so I, I bake them with or roast them with balsamic and olive oil, salt and pepper, and then I cook bacon and then put that on top. So that's – that's been my that my jam lately. Fabulous to me, yummy. It is. It I is know really good. with the buns, I was like, we don't need no stinking buns. I think that <laughs> that line is from um, oh my gosh, what is that movie from the seventies? Oh, we don't need no stinking badges. Oh my gosh, my best friend's gonna be so mad at me. What is it? I can't think of it. Let us know because now, now I'm dying. I've, I'm like, oh, I should know this. Well, I, I always say it in the Facebook group. I'm like, we don't need no stinking buns, but I'm quite. It's a movie line. Um, that I can't think of right now. Um, but anyway, that's why I always say it because it's based off of that. <laughs> we'll, so, find, we'll find it and let you guys know in the show. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yes. Quoting movie lines. Okay. And then what is your anchor verse right now? Of course, you know, typical Enneagram nine style. I cannot pick a single verse. <laughs> so I have an entire Psalm. So it is Psalm 23 and I've been loving the message translation of the Bible lately. I know some people that's not their jam, but it's totally my jam. So I will read it. So it's God, my shepherd. I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows and you find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Oh, that's so lovely. It is. And I like I like how it's a little I like how it's a little bit hood with the language. I really I really enjoy that. And it's just I don't know, it's very poetic to me. Yeah. You know, you served me a six course dinner right in front of my enemies. (laughs) Yep. I love it. It's you know, you know exactly what they're talking about. You're like, oh, this is this is fancy over here. Um and it's very apt because, you know, true to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. You know, based on this podcast topic, I think we all could use a time to catch our breath and be sent in the right direction, especially right now. Amen, sister. And that is the perfect way to wrap this up. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me because I know it's very, very limited. And I'm so grateful that you come on and, and share your knowledge with us. So thanks, friend. Well, so, so much fun being on as always. I'll be back soon. If anybody has requests, let us know. Yeah. We're taking requests. We're like a cover band. (laughs) Let us know what what you want us to to talk about. (laughs) Yes, I know. I love it. I would love to have, I'd love to have Carly on. So let us know um, what you want to hear more about and we will oblige. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.